0: Welcome to Wrestling With God Show, the podcast where we grapple with big questions about faith, religion, and life. I'm Irish McMahon, and I'm here with my friend and Irish Catholic priest, Father Len McMillan. Hey, Father Len. Morning, Irish. So, uh, Father Len, uh, in one of our recent episodes, uh, you revealed that anxiety has uh, now replaced anger as your most common sin. Do you remember that?
1: Oh, Probably. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Now, we didn't talk about uh, what was causing your anxiety to ramp up, but I suspect it might be the same thing that's causing anxiety to kind of move up my list. Um, I'm really kind of troubled by what's going on in our country right now. Protests, riots, looting, destruction of historic statues and monuments. And really an unprecedented level of lawlessness that just seems to be tearing our country apart. Much of it seemingly in the name of race, racism, and racial justice. And this all got me wondering, why did God create all these different races in the world? And how did he choose the race or ethnicity for his son Jesus?
1: Hey, that is a a great question. So all through the Old Testament, you have this idea of the seed that's coming that's going to save humanity starts out with a book of Genesis. The seed of the woman will be this snake crusher who will receive a mortal blow, but he'll destroy evil. And so the blessing everybody's looking for is this child, but that's Genesis, But actually, if you're Jewish, the first book of the Bible is Exodus. And in Exodus, the Jews are slaves, well, I should say Hebrews, are slaves in Egypt. And God hears their cry, their sa'ak. In Hebrew, it's called sa'ak. It's this cry of pain. And and God frees them. And then God gives this great speech, to paraphrase it. He said, You were a nothing people. You didn't even have your own land. And I fell in love with you. You're the weakest of all people. Um, you had nothing, and I loved you. So I fell in love with you, so you must show my love to the world. I set you free, so you have to free others. Um, and God gives a speech before the Ten Commandments. That's, um, where, If we're going to be in relationship with each other, if we're going to be married, um, you have to do these things. To be the chosen people means that the, you who know what it's like to be hated, you're chosen to bring love into the world. You who know what it's like to have no freedom, you're cho- chosen to bring freedom into the world. And so uh, my joke about every Jewish feast, because I think this is funny, every Jewish feast, seriously, has the same theme. They hated us. They tried to kill us. We won. Let's party. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I love how being chosen, the Jews were chosen. What you get in the Old Testament? The Jews were chosen for this mission. And from them was going to come the Christ who will free all humanity. Uh, but I love this theme that God chose one family, the most hated and the weakest. Uh, rather than the most powerful nations to show God's way, uh, God calls them to show it wasn't by our capabilities, but the Lord's capabilities that matter. Now, to be chosen doesn't mean that you're better than other people. In one section of the Bible, I love this, where God gets upset because the Jews think because they're chosen, it means that they're better than everybody else. And God goes through this long list of nations where he said, no, the Egyptians are my children too. And I'm proud of them. The Edomites, I'm going to mess up the exact descriptions, but the Edomites are my children too. And I love how they, and he gives them all a compliment. And the Ethiopians, they're my children too. And they're the apple of my eye. I mean, he gives them all compliments. And then then he says, I chose you for this purpose. doesn't mean that you're better, but you were supposed to show the world what real love and freedom looks like. So when God came on and took on human flesh, yeah, God came, Christ came as a Jew. That was a longstanding promise, but it picks up this theme that um, why did God choose the Jews? Because they were the most hated. And they were supposed to bring love into the world. Uh, They were the weakest of all people. And they're going to show God's strength. They're the ones who know what it's like to be slaves. They're going to teach the world freedom. So when God takes on human flesh, he comes as a Jew, born into the poorest family in occupied people, not to show our capabilities, but God. And yeah, you do have racism all through the Bible. So let's face it, even the Bible is constantly wrestling with racism. Um, but make it clear, there's not different races in the Bible. There's one race. That's humanity. Um, we are all born of Adam and Eve. So the Bible really, it doesn't say there's different races. It says there's different nations. Um, so yeah, there's different nations, but we're really one family. Or um, you could say, well, why did God create all these cultures? And that gets back to the Tower of Babel story. It's in Genesis. and The story is that human beings think that they can build the perfect society that will reach heaven. In other words, um, we, if we construct the perfect society with all the right rules and regulations, with our abilities, we can actually build uh, up to heaven. We don't need God. We can do it all ourselves, not just all ourselves, all ourselves because through our technology, through our politics. And so humanity is united. And it sounds good because there's not different races or languages, but actually we're united by the wrong thing, not by something internal, but external. And God curses them, which is actually a blessing. God curses them with different languages so that What God wants is a thing that's going to unite humanity is not some external, not some external political system, not some external building system or language. What he promises is to teach humanity the language of love where we're truly united. So the idea is that what we're really looking for is the unity based on not externals, but something internal. And that's going to be the gift of the Holy Spirit, that we can love each other. What God wants to teach us is a language of love. And so the Tower of Babel story is, yeah, God God does break up humanity into all these different nations and languages, not to keep us separated, but that we'll discover the true source of unity is not these externals. And so the whole time in the, the Bible, you have kind of this argument with racism. Like my favorite is Moses. Moses, uh, he frees the people. And Moses, his wife dies. He takes on a second wife. And it says that she's a Cushite, which is an Ethiopian. And it mentions that she has darker skin. And the people start complaining. And then Moses' own sister, who's a prophet, she's a great person. But she and her brother, Aaron, they start complaining. And Miriam complains about um Moses' wife having dark skin. And so basically God says, Oh, you want white? You think being white is better? So God says, Okay, I'll give you white. And he punishes her by making her white as snow. And until she repents, does God uh change her back? Which I always kind of think is funny because like nobody ever picks this up because I am as white. I ten minutes in the sun and I burn. And I always kind of think... Well, you're Irish after all. <laughs> it's true. It's true. The sun is my enemy. You know, the old joke, what do you call Irish sunscreen? <laughs> no, what the is pub. it? What? The pub? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's, like, that's pretty good. Yeah, but think about this. I just think it's kind of funny that the punishment for Miriam was to be white as snow. I mean, I, I'm always wondering why racists uh, aren't picking that one up. But... All through the Bible, you have this um, uh, kind of God is really, truly fighting racism. Uh, Paul's letter, he fights the racism of Jews versus Gentiles. We're supposed to be united in love.
0: So, Father Lynn, the Bible tells us skin color and racism was dividing people thousands of years ago. And I guess not much has changed then over the years now we have people complaining about wanting to destroy images and statues of Jesus with white skin. They seem to really be missing the point. What Jesus represents has nothing to do with his actual skin color when he came into the world.
1: Yeah, and yeah, he would have been middle. East, he would have come looking like a Middle Eastern. But the funny part about that is that, um, and this is the part I love about Catholicism. I'm a big fan of the Virgin Mary. Mary, the mother of Christ, right? Love her apparitions. Mary appearing sometime in history. So it's happened several times, usually at great turning events. Before World War I, she appeared to children. Before World War II, she appeared to children. For 2,000 years, we have dozens and dozens of apparitions of Mary, right? And when Mary appears to the children, the Croatian children in Medjigori, she appears as a Croatian. When she appears in Japan, she appears as a Japanese woman. In Arle de Guadalupe, she appears as a Mexican. In fact, literally the first Mexican. She's this mix of uh, Aztec and Spanish blood. So she literally is the first Mexican. She appears as the people she, she's appearing to. The idea is that, wow, we should see the divine, uh, that Christ is in all people. And so I love in Catholic artwork where um, Christ is pictured as the people he's in. So like the white Jesus that you're speaking of, that's the German Jesus. So like if Jesus appeared, oh, Mary appeared in Our and of she appeared in his, as an Irish woman. The body of Christ comes in all these forms. So I love how um, each culture claims that they're part of the body of Christ by picturing Christ as one of their own, whether it's Irish or uh, black or German. So when the German immigrants came to the United States, of course they carried the same image of painting Jesus as a German. It's not saying that Jesus is a white guy. It is saying that, well, the body of Christ is comprised of all these different people. Christ is in all of them. Um, So I know I heard that statement in the news about this one guy saying, uh, every picture of Jesus as a white guy is oppressive. No, it's not. It's saying. Like every picture of Jesus as Japanese is not oppressive against anybody else. You're misinterpreting what it's saying. It's saying Christ is among all people. We're all part of the body of Christ.
0: That makes total sense. And I love the Bible story about God punishing Moses' sister for her racism by turning her Middle Eastern skin snow white until she repented. I didn't know that one. Um, I think me. You...
1: I know strange trivia. <laughs> I, I am uh, the Cliff Clavin of, or I, I guess this should be Norm. I hope,
0: I, I hope a few people, uh, you know, that are fighting about images and statues of Jesus and what race, ethnicity, or skin color should be represented by them, will listen to this and think about what, what, what you said. Can I just
1: say one thing, what you said? And I know I'm going to hijack it, but Like all my life I've been concerned about pro-life, but also justice. And what does crack me up is the younger generation is interpreting that they're the first ones in this long history (laughs) that have been fighting racism. (laughs) And this grandfather in the parish, um, he led for social justice in California when he was younger. He went on marches and I think it's kind of funny where his grandkids were lecturing him on (laughs) racism and like, Oh, they're just new to the battle. This battle has been going on long before they, so, you know, take some wisdom from the older generations that how they're interpreting things right here. Now might not have been how they came about. That's all I'm kind of saying.
0: That's a funny story, Fatherland. Kind of reminds me of my kids sending me what they thought was new music they discovered that was actually popular when I was in high school. It's interesting how, when we're young, We think everything we're learning and experiencing is new and something our parents or grandparents would know absolutely nothing about. Now, your story also got me thinking about the long history of racism and the victims of racism and what you told us about how God chose the ethnicity of Jesus. It seems to me that if God were to send Jesus into the world today, he might well have black skin and be of African descent. Does that make sense?
1: That makes sense. I mean, we could say this. If Jesus came today, he would come in in a group that is despised and most marginalized. Just like the Jews who are, for most of history, hated and oppressed, Jesus would come... As one of that pressed.
0: Really good stuff, as usual, Fatherland. So now we know God's purpose for creating all these nations and races, and why Jesus came to us from the weakest of nations and a family of people that were. Absolutely hated and enslaved at the time. And you've also given us a really thought-provoking perspective on race and racism and what can really, truly unite us. So thanks for that. And we hope you'll join us next time as we continue our journey climbing the mountain of life, searching for truth and meaning and purpose in our lives. In the meantime, if you have a question about faith, religion, and life that you'd like us to grapple with, just head over to our website, www.gshow.com. That's www.gshow.com. And all you have to do is click on the questions button. You can leave us a voicemail or send us a text or an email. And if you haven't already, please go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review The Wrestling With God Show. It really helps people discover us. Thanks for listening. See you next time.